0: where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 137, Help Protect Your Rights to Hunt Public Land. And I am your host, and the guy who is currently on vacation with his wife's family okay i'm going to say this one time and one time only help me so i'm going to be quick today and we're going to and we're going to get into today's interview but before i do i have to let you know that we're 280 days 12 hours 19 minutes and 24 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in alabama Time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking. So today I've got an interview with Andrew Maxwell that I want to share with you. And Andrew is one of the founding members of the Southeastern Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And they're an organization that is fighting to help keep public land public. Now there's a big kick currently on a federal level, to start cutting loose some of the federal lands and turn them back over to states. And the belief is that the states don't have the funds to manage those properties properly. That's a mouthful. Try saying that two or three times real quick. And because of that, there have been several organizations to form over the past couple of years who are fighting to keep those public lands under federal control and to keep them public so that you and I have access to hunt those lands. So without talking too much about this, because Andrew and I talk about this a good bit in our conversation, I'm going to go ahead and cut into the interview and I hope you guys enjoy that and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey guys, I am excited to tell you that I have on the line with me another Andrew. isn't that exciting? You guys are going to have two Andrews to deal with today. And today I have Andrew Maxwell on the line with me. And not only is this another Andrew, but he's also another Alabamian. So you guys are going to get twice the Alabamian and twice the Andrew for the same low, low price today. This Andrew is with backcountry hunters and anglers. And that is a new-ish group that has formed. And Andrew reached out to me, oh, it's been a month or so ago, I believe, and wanted to tell me about his organization. We finally hooked up here last week and we talked for a while about what all they're doing. And I thought this might be a good opportunity For Andrew to come on the show today to share what his organization is doing, because I feel like it may be of interest to a good many of you guys listening to the show. So, Andrew, how are you, and in what part of Alabama are you today? I'm doing good today. Right now, I'm in my house in Helena, Alabama. I don't think I'm too far from you. You're not. You're almost a stone's throw away, but I'd have to get a run and start to throw one that far. And with the rain that we're getting right now, I don't believe that it's gonna make it too much too I much
1: interference. Ruined so, all my fishing plans, I'll
0: tell you that. Well, you can still fish in the rain.
1: That's true. But uh I wanted to set some limb lines and I don't know, they uh, get swept away. Yeah, in, you're the, right. in the river.
0: <laughs> you're right. That that's a different kind of fishing that I wasn't thinking about and that would be a little bit more difficult. So yeah, we've we've gotten a good bid. I, I think and I might be wrong here, but out of the past 10 days i think at my house there have been or there has been one day that we have not gotten some rain of some sort so yeah
1: i has been the same here and the, the river's been way up and yeah. uh, yesterday the bot popped out and i don't know what the river's at now but it's, it's much too high for me to do anything
0: yeah well and so let's talk about what well, one of the things that you and I like to do, and that uh, other than fishing, and that's turkey hunting. So, when we were talking earlier this week, I told you I was pretty worried or concerned about what kind of a hatch we may have here in Alabama, given the amount of rain that we've gotten in the month of May. And you gave me some pretty encouraging news. You gave me an update of, of what you've experienced in the woods. So, share that with everybody.
1: Yeah, I went out, I guess it was two weeks ago, or it's probably less than two weeks ago, but. We went out to the management area over next to Helena and we're on a little hike and we ended up seeing, first we got back to one of my main hunt spots, jumped two hens and I, I think I told you they had five or six poults each with them. Yeah. They all hopped flew up in the trees, all the pults did, which surprised me. There's probably 10 of them, 10 or 11. And then on the way out, we bumped another hen and she had like seven or eight poults with her and they all flew up in a tree. So, saw a whole bunch of turkeys that day. That was encouraging.
0: Absolutely. That's good news to hear that they're flying already. That means that they've got a much better chance of surviving. So that's Absolutely. that's good news for at least those people who are gonna be hunting near that management area or in that management area in a couple of years, that'll be a good thing for us. So hopefully the rest of the state is experiencing the same thing and we sure could use another year of a good hatch. I think we had a good hatch last year. Hopefully we will have a good hatch and good recruitment this year and can get the turkey population back up in Alabama. So I know a lot of states are suffering out there and could use that as well. So anything that we can do to to help that out would be great. So let's I kind of touched on it a little bit when I talked about hunting that public land, but tell us a little bit about what Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is all about.
1: Well, the organization was started back in 2004 around a campfire in Oregon. It's basically... Started as a group of people who wanted to conserve public lands and clean waters around the western states. Because out there, the name backcountry comes from out there because they really do have backcountry, you know, uh, wilderness areas like Cloud Peak Wilderness in Wyoming or Frank Church Wilderness in Idaho. And so that organization's been kind of growing and growing with their stuff. They they do a lot of boots on the ground conservation. Like they want to. One of their main things is. Preventing illegal ATV use in protected areas, Mm -hmm. uh, fighting against the state transfer of public lands, stream access. They're fighting for better stream access in some states. for, For instance, actually, Wyoming this year. I'm actually going to Wyoming this fall on a hunt. And we've been trying to figure out their stream access laws. And it turns out that in Wyoming, you can't touch the stream bed if it's on private land. You can't drop anchor. You can't wade it. You can't stop there. You can't touch it with a boat paddle or anything or you're trespassing. Wow, So that's something That's like one of the issues they work on as kind of an example. I think Arizona and New Mexico have some pretty bad laws, too. Alabama's not that bad on our stream access as long as it's like a navigable waterway. Right. Which means like you want it. So, the organization started out there with working on stuff like that, and it's just kind of the, the message resonates with people, and it's been moving eastward. And recently, we've established our southeastern chapter, which let's see it's Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, I think Florida, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, might be South Carolina. I don't remember. Forgive me if I forget South Carolina, but. We just recently started this. We just got recognized at the BHA Rendezvous as an official chapter. And we've been trying to get things rolling here. And yes, asked about like, some of the issues that, like local issues in our state. Yeah. Uh, I've actually been doing a bunch of research this morning on uh, some something with Cahaba because we're we're losing acreage off that management area like crazy. And we had, there's some differences in numbers where the Forever Wild acquired land. And then, but we, we have less land than they acquired a couple of years ago. They acquired like 30,000 acres and we're down to 26. So I've been looking into that all morning and turns out we're down to 26,000 acres on Cahaba management area. This year, they're removing a 4,000-acre parcel near Brantleyville. Those, mm-hmm. those are some, I told you the other day, there's some good turkey woods in there, too. Yeah. we in several parts off uh, County Road 13, off of that management area, and Mulpus Timberlands and Valley Creek Timber are two of the companies that own a lot of that land. And they've got a combined, I think, 5,000 acres for sale. they got mm-hmm. a 1,000-acre parcel for sale next to the refuge. And so this is all just kind of coming to light. We're trying to figure out solutions for it. and. Uh, we're losing some stream access here, like for the Cahaba River. There's several boat launches that have actually been shut down recently. So that's yeah. kind of limiting people's access to the river. And that's kind of a basic overview of our, our local problems that we're trying to fight here in Alabama. And I'm, they, they're doing the same things in Georgia and Mississippi and the other state, Tennessee, that are in the southeastern chapter. But we're kind of just getting our feet on the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... You know, you and I had this conversation when we first talked and I this is just me personally. So I don't I don't want to I guess think that I'm setting my or too set in my ways on this because I, I'm I'm actually I'll just get down to it here. I'm really torn about public land and the government controlling so much of our forest land, timber land, prairie land, everything else. is so the reason I'm torn about it is because there are, not, there are not many things that I have found that the government can do better than individuals can do, or a group of individuals. Now, I've got to give them some credit in that with the right leadership, you know, we've got the best military in the world. They do a great job of protecting us. Oh, yeah. Owning land, I don't think, is something that the federal government should really be involved in. However, here's where I'm torn. I'm torn in that you take some of these larger tracts of land out west, and we're talking a million plus acres, and if those were available for sale to industry or individuals, there are very few people in this world that could afford to buy that property and keep it as one tract. And at that point in time, if they did acquire that property, I just don't think there's going to be an opportunity for access to those lands by individuals. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we would we would be cutting back those opportunities for us average hunters and fishers, hunters and fishermen, to be able to get onto those properties to to do the things that we enjoy doing, like hunting and fishing, or camping, or what hiking, whatever it happens to be. So. You know, I'm I'm one of those who's torn about that. I I just feel like government doesn't do as good a job managing those properties as they could, but they still are one of the few entities around that have pockets deep enough to manage it as well as it could be managed. And then in addition to that, be able to offer us access to get onto that property to, to do what we want to do or what we enjoy doing. So. You know, that's one of those things when it comes to public land and public land hunting that I'm kind of torn about, and I'm a person who actually does a fair amount of hunting on public land. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I guess really for me in what you guys are doing in the southeast, I think is, is a good thing because these smaller pieces of property are being pulled out of these wildlife management areas and these state-run public lands and they're being sold off to individuals, and and there are people out there in Alabama who easily can buy 1,000 or 2,000 acres or, you know, even cut it down smaller than that. They'll buy a couple hundred acres out of 1,000, and so, you know, those public lands in Alabama are becoming smaller and smaller for those reasons, and what's going to end up happening over a period of time is that there's going to be a lot of these smaller pieces of property and fewer larger tracts like we had years ago. And when you go to states like Virginia and you go really, you know, you go Virginia North and I would say that probably New York state and Pennsylvania may not be the same, but when you get in these smaller Northern states, it is extremely unusual to hear of a 1000 acre tract of land. Yeah. yeah. that, That one individual owns. And so, you know, I, I, not that you can't kill a turkey on 40 acres because you certainly can, but it's I think a lot I'm not going to say easier to kill one, but there are more opportunities to kill a turkey on a thousand acre contiguous piece of property than there is a 40 acre contiguous piece of property. So yeah, you know, absolutely. That that's me. That's my personal opinion on it. That's where where I kind of stand. But I I feel like you know for what you guys are trying to do. You know, I feel like it's a good thing, and especially out west where there's so much talk of taking these large tracts of federal land and turning them back over to the states. And a lot of these states just don't have the money to operate what it takes to operate those larger tracts of land and to manage them the way that they need to be managed. That's absolutely correct. That That's the big problem with it is the state
1: will get stuck with the bill for fighting fires, managing the roads. And a lot of states, I mean, it would bankrupt them, honestly. Nevada, they've sold off 90% of the state lands that they've held, 90%. So, you know, if the BLM gets transferred to them, I mean, you know what's going to happen with it. Yeah. I understand the, the distrust and everything in the federal government. I, I have my own fair share of distrust in the federal government. Sure. sure, yeah. Um, You were spot on what you said about how they do a great job at running the military, but I think they also do a good job at preserving them, maybe not managing them, which a lot of people argue necessarily BHA, but a lot of people like the idea of federally owned lands with state management. So you have a a more local management of the federal lands and they they would do a much better job because the states are great at managing wildlife and land, but they just, they don't have the money.
0: Right.
1: And you know, about i think out west it's somewhere around 74 percent of all people that hunt they, they rely on public lands so state transfer of those lands would certainly i mean it would cripple hunting i mean there's no other way to look at it it would absolutely cripple hunting out west and probably here too because i'm the hunter i am today because of the cahaba management area to be honest
0: yeah um
1: a lot of the state lands as well, uh, I think Colorado state lands, you cannot hunt on them. So that, that's immediate loss of hunting rights before they even sold it off. Uh, Wyoming state lands, you can't camp on it, and I don't think you can have a campfire either. So, whereas on BLM, the federal land, you can camp, you can target shoot, you can hunt, you can do whatever. But not a lot of states, their state lands don't even allow you to hunt or recreate. I forgot what state it was, but one of them, you can't even walk your dog on state lands. You get hit with a trespassing fund. Uh, Randy Newberg has a series on YouTube It's, it's 16 videos of state transfer examples problems mm-hmm. with it and just the history like what's happened when they transfer state lands to or transfer federal lands to the states and some of the examples are just horrible i mean like Nevada selling off 90% of uh, Elliot State Forest in Oregon is like 86,000 acres i think that was all going to be chopped up and sold off in a bunch of different parcels but i think that they got that stopped i'm not totally sure but i think that I think that we kind of won that fight but yeah like i said I totally understand your distrust of the federal government, and there's a whole argument you can go into about whether or not it's constitutional, and both sides have their points. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of one of those endless arguments that nobody will ever win, but yeah. when it's the Supreme Court, it's aired on the side of it's constitutional every time, um, but... You know, we face a lot of different problems over here in the east because I don't think Alabama has any BLM land. I don't think Tennessee or anybody else does, matter of fact. The, West, the western states were given state land when they became state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've sold most of that off because it's part of their constitution. If, they have, if they're running a deficit, they have to sell off some of those lands. They have to get rid of them. Right. They're running a deficit. So, like, if Wyoming was granted... 3 million acres from BLM and they were granted it and it was their state land at that point. If they couldn't afford to fight the fires, maintain the roads and do whatever else they needed to do with it, they would be constitutionally obligated to sell that land off. So that's Mm. the big threat with state transfer. That's why it's so bad and it's it's a a dilemma for a lot of people because it's mainly the the GOP that pushes for it. And most, most of the hunters that I know, most hunters nationally, including myself are right leaning. So it's kind of a conflict with the party line, which is okay because it's not a, it's not a red and a blue issue. This is a hunting and fishing issue. That's right. Once you politicize it, you lose all, all your, you lose your merit for your argument. You don't have an argument anymore. It becomes just like one of these other stalemates in Congress that, won't ever have anything done with it because they they're against it because they're red and they're against it because they're blue or whatever and nothing ever gets done because it's just a party thing but yeah. if you can get both sides of the aisle to agree on an issue it it provides some uh pretty extraordinary results and they'll listen to you the state representatives. um i'm sure you remember like a month or two ago they they had a bill in our state that would uh, basically require uh, Forever Wildlands to pay like a lost revenue tax, the property tax uh, yeah. that they're not getting from the land that they own. And I think that the state representatives received like upwards of 9,000 phone calls. And so they ditched that one because we raised our voice and they heard us, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so it just takes people getting vocal, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and And that's one of the big things and one of the big pushes for you guys right now, is it not? you're, you're trying to, to grow membership and and doing that by having more members in the group your voices or collective voice are more easily heard by those in office so tell us that's exactly right Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing to try to grow at this point now you're you're starting a southeast chapter so we know that that's trying to right. grow that is much different than trying to grow on the national level but tell us a little bit about both if you if you have time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I got time. Um, well, locally, we're just trying to like spread the word about our organization. Like, I've, I work at a sporting goods store in, in Birmingham. You, I've ran into you there before. Yeah. And I, a, a stack of Backcountry Journals, which is the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers magazine that you get when you join the group. And so whenever the opportunity arises at work, I'll talk to somebody about it, and I'll hand them one of those magazines. And it's amazing how receptive people are because coming into it, I I didn't really I didn't think that we wouldn't go anywhere but I just didn't think that people would be so excited about the group Pretty much everybody I talked to, or really everybody I've talked to about it, has been excited. They wanted to know more about it. I've had several people message me on Facebook when I mention it in the comment section. I had like five people right off the bat message me about it, mm-hmm. and they all say the same thing. They're like, "Man, anything to protect my hunting and fishing." I'm like, "Absolutely, that's absolutely yeah. right." So to grow here, it's just really so far been word of mouth. But we're also trying to plan some events uh, that'll get our name out, and raise some money. They're they're about to do one in Columbus, Georgia on. Uh, i think the ninth, but that's this friday it's what's called a pint night and basically we go to a restaurant or a brewery or something and we have this event where things like the the drinks and everything are discounted some of the proceeds will go to the group i believe they'll do a gear swap where people come and sell gear real cheap to raise money for the group mm-hmm. i think i think somebody's bringing like some really nice paintings or something i think i saw that on the on the message board but there's going to be some nice paintings there. So it's just kind of like a fun event that people can come to to get to know more about the group, help raise a little money, and meet, I mean, the most hunting and fishing people you ever meet. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, of hardcore hunters in the group, that's for sure. If we all go public land. We usually got to walk a long way. So there's, yeah. there's some people that, that get down with it in the group. <laughs> yeah, We also do things like wild game cook-offs. It's basically just what it sounds like. We all get together, cook wild game. Uh, mm-hmm. We're trying to plan something for the Birmingham area. We haven't really got anything started yet, but we're working on it. But I know that I think they did a, a pint night in Nashville. a Couple, I think it was back in February, and they got Randy Newberg to come to it. He's, he's big on the Sportsman Channel. And that sounded like a lot of fun, but I couldn't go up to that because I was going to the NWTF convention the very next weekend. Yeah, couldn't couldn't make two trips, sadly, but. They're doing that in uh, Columbus, Georgia on Friday and anybody can show up to it and it it'll be fun so I hope that I hope that a lot of people show up. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to work so I'm not going to be able to make it, but we'll do one in Birmingham pretty soon and hopefully host some other events like that. Another thing we want, want to do in the future is maybe get some like large garbage dumps and put them out on the WMA, like a big garbage can where people can throw stuff. Because mm-hmm. you know probably as good as I do that there's a lot of people that like to disrespect the land, and they yeah. litter, and there's there's garbage piles like you would not believe in some places. So yeah. hopefully we'll get that done, and we'll have a big BHA logo on it, and hopefully that'll spread the word about us. The national organization's grown a lot through social media, especially in the, the last couple months, I think uh, when it was – Jason Chasits Jason from Utah introduced a bill that would hand over three million acres, I think it was, of federal right. land to the state, and that that just blew up in his face. The yeah. People people nuts on a on social media about it. So we probably got a good bit of exposure that way. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and yeah, that that's good. What what can we do if we're interested in joining whether it's the southeastern chapter or the national chapter where can we go to get more information on that and to join if we're interested in joining
1: you can go to backcountryhunters.com that's the the website to join the organization or you, you could just google search backcountry hunters and anglers we have a facebook group as well for the southeastern formation chapter. And if somebody's got questions about it, you can uh, actually email me, aloutdoors8 at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to tell you more about it and uh, tell you how you could help out or how you could volunteer or anything like that. We're, we're looking for people to, to, who really want to work uh, to help us kind of kick this thing off. But we also just need people to join. you know. And yeah. you can Google search us and see what we're all about. and Or you could email me, like I said, and I'll be happy to tell you about it. You can get on the Facebook page, or there's a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. They got a lot of videos on YouTube about what they're all about. So that was a BackcountryHunters.com is the website for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and you got to be careful not to say BHA because everybody will think you're talking about Bow Hunters of Alabama. <laughs> uh okay. So yeah, so BackcountryHunters.org, not .com. I'm sorry, .org. And that's where you can go to join or donate, learn more about the group. When you join, you'll get a magazine subscription. And also, uh, they're running a a big giveaway right now that you can learn more about it on the website. They're doing a huge fishing gear giveaway with a ridiculous amount of prizes. So people might be interested in that as well. But like I said, you can also email me. Don't be afraid to email me at aloutdoors8 at gmail.com.
0: All right. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I think you know, getting the the word out, especially here in the southeast, with it being a, a new organization to the area, getting the word out's you know going to be key, obviously, in in growing the thing and and helping to get those numbers up to where people on the state level, the politicians on a state level will listen and on the federal level as well. So anyway, I think that's a good thing. And I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on and tell us a little bit about the organization and where we can get more information on it. And
1: no problem at all. No problem at all. And the, the sooner we get on it, the better. The, the state, our state, has lost 143,000 acres of leased public hunting land, like the the Wildlife Management Area system. We've yeah. lost 143,000 acres in the last 20 years, and mm. as, as, just as an example, Cahaba. When I started hunting it five or six years ago, it was a uh, right at 39,000 acres, right at 40,000 acres, and after this year we could potentially be all the way down to 20,000 and it's just going to keep getting smaller.
0: Yeah. And COOSA wildlife management area is the same way. It, Absolutely. I think it was, you know, 10 years ago it was about 40,000 acres. And now I think they're down to about 10,000 acres. So that's in that exactly right. So the, a lot of it's forever wildland, but the forever wildland's not as secure as people
1: think it is. So we're, yep, we right. need to think of some new solutions because they're, they're yanking it out from under us every year. Yep. and if we're not careful it'll all be gone one day and that's that'll be a lot of people in the future who aren't introduced to hunting who don't have a way to go hunting because that's the number one people drop the number one reason that people drop hunting is because they don't have a place to hunt
0: that's right so
1: we definitely need to protect what we got so we can look back on it and be proud of what we did
0: yeah very good Andrew, thank you again for coming on to to share all this with us today, and I hope that you guys listening will at least take the time to go to the website, check the organization out, and make a decision from there about whether it's something you want to support or not. Personally, I think I'm getting on board. I've just got to get over my little hang-up there, but again, it's all about access, just like Andrew said, and you know, the public land does provide us with access whether they do as great a job managing that land as you or i could do individually if we had the same funds the answer is no but if i had that land individually i could tell you it would be my turkey hunting land (laughs) the only way you'd get on it is if you were hunting with me so that limits your access that's a bad thing so if you're if you hunt public land and you're interested in keeping that public land open or keep or getting better access to that public land, do go check out backcountry hunters and anglers and have a great day, Andrew. Hopefully, I will see you at your establishment where you are employed here sometime soon, but that usually means I've got to spend money, so that's not necessarily a good thing for me, but it's a good thing for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I, I greatly appreciate you letting me come on and talk about this. you yeah. doing what you're doing, man. I love the podcast.
0: Thank you much. I appreciate that. I appreciate you reaching out to me in the spring as well, and it was great to meet you over there and look forward to seeing you over there sometime again very soon absolutely all right buddy have a great day all right man you too all right goodbye bye okay so that's all that i've got for you for today's free portion of the show if you want to hear the remainder of this week's show i've got a special interview with a regular on the show and we're going to be talking about his 2017 turkey hunting season kind of a little recap of that and we're going to try to pick up another tip or two from him while we've got him on the show that's what you're missing out on this week. If you want to hear that, all you have to do is subscribe to the show. Subscribing costs $12 per year, and you can do it by texting the word turkey hunter. Make it one word, turkey hunter with no spaces. Text that to the number 44222. From there, I'm going to text you back and ask you to reply with only your email address. Once you reply with only your email address, I'm going to email you a direct link. That you can click on and at that point you can create a username and a password and pay the $12 fee to subscribe to the show and you'll be a subscriber who has access to all of the premium content that we're doing for the next 52 weeks as well as that we've done in the past and you can access that content through the Podbean app on your mobile device. So That's all that I've got for you guys this week, but I want to ask you a favor before I cut you loose. My favor this week is this. If you know of someone who hunts public land that you think will benefit from hearing today's episode and learning more about backcountry hunters and anglers, then I'm asking you to forward this episode to them. You can do that by either sharing the link to today's show through the share feature in your podcast player app, Or you can retweet the tweet that I sent out about today's episode. Or you can forward today's post on Facebook. So that's it. That's all that I've got for you guys this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in.